You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. We're in a series uh, titled The God I Never Knew, and we're going to do it for the next few weeks. That's the plan. The God I Never Knew. And uh, we, we began this series, of course, where we should begin, which is talking about Jesus and uh, an encounter that some, a man, Nathaniel, had uh, as Jesus went and found him and called him. Uh, and his disciples uh, were the first disciples began to follow Jesus and experience all that God had for them. And Jesus said something to Nathaniel that we started the series with. He said, uh, you know, he, he actually kind of spoke into Nathaniel's life in, in a way that was undeniably revealed him as the son of God. And so Nathaniel's response to him was, you truly are the son of God. Uh, and, and Nathaniel then hears from Jesus, you're impressed with this, but you're going to see even greater things than that. Uh, and so whatever we've known and experienced of God, there's even more. Uh, and that's what we're going to focus in on today. The, the message title, if you're taking notes, is something is missing. Something is missing. Last week, we talked about the importance and presence of God in our lives. Uh, the importance and the power of God's presence in our lives. And a great verse, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Uh, many people, uh, as believers even, sadly, live their lives not aware and uh, recognizing the value and the, pre- the nearness of the presence of God in their lives. The next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit uh, because I believe that if there's something missing in the lives of many people, in the church especially, uh, it's, the, it's the recognition of, one, who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to work in our lives. So let's look at this. We're going to start in Luke 3. Uh, Luke 3 and 4, and then we're going to be in Ezekiel 47. For those of you who are taking notes, uh, we're going to be in both of those places to start. Luke chapter 3, uh, we're going to go to where just before Jesus called his disciples, he is uh, stepping into the first real kind of public display of what he was going to do as he was presented as the Messiah before all of Israel was going to be at his baptism. He was coming to the Jordan River. John the Baptist is preaching there. And for uh, John's entire calling and purpose is to point to Jesus. And can I just help you? The church's calling and purpose is the same. It's to point people to Jesus. That's what we exist for. Uh, If we don't point people to Jesus, we miss the point. If we, don't, if we don't connect our families, my, my job as a parent is to point my kids to Jesus above everything else, that they, they have begun a relationship and grow in a relationship with Jesus. Uh, and Jesus comes to the Jordan River as John is preaching. And uh, just before Jesus shows up, here's what John had to say. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John answered and said to them, he says, I indeed baptize you with water. People were coming to the Jordan River, and he was baptizing them in the River Jordan uh, for the for repentance. And uh, they were being baptized in the river Jordan. Uh, But here's what he says, one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not even worthy to lose. In other words, he's like, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes, untie his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He said, Jesus is coming. Somebody's coming and he's mightier than me. 
but he's actually coming for a purpose. And we know that he came to destroy the works of the enemy. We talked about that last week. He came uh, to, to seek and save that which is lost, but he also came to bring and fill our lives, baptize us with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. Now, uh, chapter or verse 21 uh, then when all the people were baptized, it was it came to Jesus at the Jordan River. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see there the, the activity and the presence of, uh, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descending, the Father speaking, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Now, verse 23, Jesus himself began his ministry at 30 years of age. So Jesus began his ministry from this moment. He began what he was going to do publicly from this moment. As the Father gave his declaration, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, and, and, and now we're going to see what happens next, I believe sets a framework and an example, because Jesus, of course, as I've already said, is the Son of God. He's fully God. He never ceased to be God, but he also, the Word became flesh. He became fully man. Uh, both to display who he is as the Son of God, to, but, but to be the Son of Man, to be the offering for our sins. But he also modeled something that I think is the normal Christian life. And there's three things that happen from this moment forward with the Holy Spirit's interaction with Jesus that I believe set the pattern that we're going to look at through the next few weeks, that set the model. And uh, it starts with this, as the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, the, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. The very next chapter, very first verse is connected to what just came before, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I'm, I'm if you'll bear with me, reading a bit, because I want you to see this, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. So this then connects it to what just happened at the Jordan River. Then Jesus being filled. So the, the, the activity of the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus like a dove, the way Luke then describes it is that Jesus was filled. Can you just say that word filled? filled. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Next thing that happened is uh, then he returned from the Jordan and was led. That's the second thing that happens with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We'll look at being led by God next week because I, I believe one of the biggest questions people have is, what's God's plan for my life? What's next? What do I do? Where do I go from here? And I want to help you practically to recognize that, to be aware of that and learn to follow because really a believer in Jesus we're defined by being followers of Jesus. And, and so that's, it's not just that we go to church or we have big Bibles or we do any of those things. It's that we actually are followers of a person. And that's possible because of being led by the Spirit. One last verse from Luke. Jump down to verse 14. He goes through the temptation in the wilderness. You may know that story. But then he comes out of the wilderness. And it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. So, so three things happen. First he's filled, then he's led, and then he's empowered. 
First he's filled, then he's led, then he's empowered. And so we're going to look at these three things. But we're going to focus on that first one today, being filled. Uh, the reason I titled this, There's, there's Something Missing, is because I, I found as a pastor, I've been in ministry about 18 years, and there's something that I've seen over and over with people, is that there's oftentimes something missing in their Christian experience, and I believe it's often, most often, the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit. God wants to work in our lives. If you want to know what the normal Christian life looks like, like. He's given us a blueprint in God's word. We read the Bible. We see what Jesus did. And then we see what the early church was like and how they interacted with and experienced the reality of the presence of God. God was not distant to the church. He wasn't a million miles away to the church. They were, they, their prayer life was not shaped by, well, I hope God might do this. They prayed in faith and confidence and saw God work in them and through them because of the Holy Spirit. There's often this feeling of that our faith is powerless or we're unable to walk out the things that God's called us to. And I believe when we feel that, it's because something is indeed missing. And I believe it's the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And the reason why this is often missed, I believe, is because as the church, we often ignore the third person of the Trinity. We ignore what God wants, and we, because of that, and you know, I, I, as a pastor, that's, it starts with, with us teaching God's word. Uh, And so we've got to know what God's word says about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus got up one day, and, and we won't read it for time, but in John 7, Jesus gets up, it says on a day of the feast where they were presenting, they would, they would draw water and they would come and pour it out as an offering. Uh, they would come and bring that water and they had this whole procession. And as that, as that vessel of water is being carried past him, Jesus stands up and he says, he says this is, I love this, he who believes in me out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So they're seeing this display. It was a part of their tradition every year as they'd have this feast, they'd fill up this vessel and they, as this vessel was filled, then they would pour it out. As they would fill it, they would pour it out. And then Jesus says, well, that's, what, what that's pointing to is actually what I came to do. Out of your life is meant to pour out something. Rivers of living water. Anybody like the King James? Out of your belly. I'm working on some keto so I have less of the belly part. Come on, church. Uh, but, but, but out of your innermost being comes rivers of living water. In other words, God's design has always been, I, I told you last week, God's presence is in your life, but it's not just for you. He's in our life to comfort us, to help us, but he, what's poured in is meant to be poured out. So I've, uh, let's look at Ezekiel 47, and then I'm going to give you three very simple points today. Ezekiel 47, I believe, probably as, as well as any other Old Testament passage, illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit, of what's intended to happen as the Holy Spirit's poured out. And, and, and this is a great picture. We're going to jump ahead. Um, let's look at verse 3. Uh, Ezekiel is a prophetic vision. So it's, it's Ezekiel's walking, and in the vision, he's, he's walking with an angel. Uh, and, and he describes this angel as a man who's measuring out uh, a river that comes. And, and so he, Ezekiel sees this uh, great big temple, this great big house, God's house. And from the sanctuary where God's presence was flows a stream. And it starts out small, but that it increases. The further out it goes, it becomes greater and it becomes a deeper body of water. And so Ezekiel is taken and here's what he does. He, he measures out. Verse three, when the man went out to, uh, to the east with the line in his hand, and he measured a thousand cubits. Uh, so he's, he's measuring out a certain amount, a span, and he measures a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. 
And again, he measured a thousand. He brought me through the waters and they came up to my knees. And then he measured another thousand. And so the further out he's going, the deeper the water's getting. And again, he measured another thousand and brought me through and the water came up to my waist. Again, he measured another and it was water. It was a river now that I could not cross for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So uh, here, here's the picture. He sees the river flowing from the sanctuary and I believe that's a picture of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. That the, the further we go with God, the deeper it gets the deeper we are, are called to get. Now, now this picture, so when my kids, when my kids first learned to swim, um, now anybody learned to swim by your parents just threw you in the deep end? You know, my wife, a couple others, uh, you know, you just kind of sink or swim, buddy, just go for it. Uh, and, you know, my kids, we have this, uh, we were in Arizona at the time when my kids were, were little, and uh, we had, you know, our, we had what traditional Arizona landscaping is. It was just dirt. So we had rocks and dirt in our backyard. And the house we were renting at the time, uh, we didn't have access to a lot of water around us. So what we did was my wife, I think she was, I don't know, maybe nine, eight, month, eight or nine months pregnant. God bless you, Jenna, in the middle of summer in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, carrying this baby. And so to cool her off, I got her this little plastic pool, and we went total redneck, and we're in the backyard, and she's laying, and I'm bringing buckets of water to pour it over the top of her to cool her off. Anybody ever? Okay. Um, and so she, she's my hero. She carried all three babies through the summer, and they all were born in Phoenix. <laughs> and so, so, but the last, so we still had that pool left over, and that's what our kids learned to, to begin to play in before they, before they began to swim, they learned in, in ankle deep water. And, and many times this picture Ezekiel sees is of a river and the further he goes, the deeper it gets. Now as the church, we're never going to berate people because they're in the, in the ankle deep water. Are, are you with me? At least they're in the water. Come on. And no matter where you're at, you know, they're, they're, they're the ankle deep and then they get knee deep, and the further Ezekiel gets, the deeper the water gets until it gets to the place where he has to swim. So three points today I want us to look at. Uh, number one is there's always more. There's always more. The, the further out he goes, the deeper it gets. There's never a point that you and I will ever exhaust what we can learn about God. There's never a point. I've been reading and studying God's word as long as I've been a Christian, and I, I still find something new. I still find something that I may have read the same verse a hundred times, but, but, but every time I get in the river, I'm, ex I'm experiencing something new. Every time I pray, it's not just the dry activity because, see, for prayer, prayer for many people is dry because it's absent the Holy Spirit's work. But when we get in the river... When we don't just have a form of prayer, but we actually begin to encounter in a relationship with God something real that takes us, you know, listen, our life was never meant to be lived empty. It was never meant to be lived dry. The Christian life, I've said this many times to our church, but the Christian life absent being filled with the Spirit, as Jesus experienced there in Luke 3 and 4, is, is like having a beautiful car with no gas in the tank. So anybody ever get out and push your car because he ran out of gas? I have got some people yesterday, Jason did, okay. Uh, you know, there's sometimes that I, I ride the line. I like to live dangerously and see how far I can push that light. <laughs> 
And, and so I know in just about every car I've ever had, you know, how far I can take this. Uh, and so, or, or, you know, and then you see the, the dashboard. When it's been blinking zero miles till empty for about 10 minutes, you start praying. And so it's one of those things that, that, that the, the most effective way to move that vehicle is not to get out and push. It's to put gas in the tank. It's no different in a Christian life. You and I were meant to be filled. You and I were meant to experience all that God has for us. And no matter where you're at in your Christian walk, whether you're ankle deep, knee deep, or all the way fully on the deep end, you just jump in deeper because there's more for every single one of us. I know even when I talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes people, you know, they, they sit up a little bit more in the seat because they're a little bit nervous about what's going to happen. And, and some of us have been so conditioned. I know a lot of pastors are afraid to even talk about the Holy Spirit because here, here's, the, here's the problem. Here, here's the issue. Um, I, I like to, my wife especially likes to go to the beach. So when we lived in Florida and she didn't have the plastic play pool, she's like, I'm going all into the ocean. Let's do this. Uh, and, and sometimes you go to the ocean and you see somebody wearing something they shouldn't. Like, like, you see that, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you see that guy who's wearing a Speedo. And if that's you, I apologize. Jacob. Uh, but just because somebody wears a Speedo to the beach doesn't mean I stop going to the beach. And just because somebody gets weird doesn't mean I abandon going after the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to be like, I don't remember anything from the sermon except Speedos. <laughs> There's always more. There's always more. Acts 19, Paul is, meets some disciples, uh, and it says in verse 1, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples there, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So, so they haven't even been taught, you know, it, it's, if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, you're at least better off than if you've been told against the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's better, right? you know, but, but regardless, here's what he says. They haven't even heard about him. Uh, and so we've not even heard that there was one. And he says to them, into what were you baptized? And they say into John's baptism. And he, Paul says, indeed, John baptized with repentance, uh, baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when they had laid hands on, when Paul laid hands on them, so they're baptized in the name of Jesus, they're coming up out of the water and Paul lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And, and here's what it says, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So here's, here's what Paul does. He encounters some disciples and he asks them, about where they are in their experience with the Holy Spirit. And they say, well, we've never even heard there was one. And, and unfortunately, sometimes even in the church, we, we grow up and never know that there's something missing. And I believe everybody can find out just by reading the Bible. We can find out what's available for all of us. And, you know, I'm one of those people that it's like, I, I dove in to the deep end, not because anybody told me, it was just because, hey, I want all that God has for my life. I want all of it. Uh, but wherever you are, wherever things are, uh, here's what the Bible says, Matthew 5, 6. I love this. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, so the way this works in the kingdom is anything I can live without, I will. Anything that I have, have written off and think, well, you know, maybe just... God doesn't want to do that or whatever, but, but here's the way faith is meant to work. I read God's word to see what's possible. 
and, and, and who he is. And then I find out that he's invited you and I to know him. The God who formed the heavens and the earth says, I want to fill you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. They shall be what? Filled. That word bless is interesting. It's a Greek word, makarios, which means two things. In some, some translations, you might have one that says happy are those, and, and happy's fine. But happy, I don't think, tells the full story of what being blessed means. One scholar defined it as being indwelt by the presence of God. Or it also means to be fully satisfied by God. And, and here's the problem. If I'm not satisfied in him, I'm going to try to find something else to fill. Because you're hardwired to know there's something more. Religion can't fill it. Philosophies can't fill it. Only the person you're created for, the person of God, can fill the deepest need of your heart and mind. And if we don't live in a place of being filled by God, we'll always try to find something else to fill and occupy. Ephesians puts it this way. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the more I'm filled with him, the less I need to be entertained. But the less I'm filled with him, the more I need something to occupy my time and attention. But the problem is everything else can be a cheap substitute for the very thing that I'm created and born for. I've told you this. We have a slogan here, uh, made for more. You're created for more than what the world has to offer. You're even created for more than what religion has to offer. That's why our goal is to point people to Jesus, because he can fill you like nothing else. He can heal your marriage. He can restore your life. He can give you purpose, a future, and a hope. Be filled with the Spirit, in fact, there in Ephesians 5.18, the tense, sorry to get too technical, but the tense of that phrase literally means to be continuously being filled. I know a lot of Christians who have experienced the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but they've not continued to be filled. And then they get 10, 20 years down the road, and then they wonder why there's something still missing. Because we're meant to have a relationship and be filled with him. And so worship fills you, prayer fills you, getting in his word is meant to fill you, connecting with Jesus fills your life. And so when we live from that place, we're not empty and we're not, listen, so I, if I could use this illustration, so sometimes uh, we, we have an appetite for certain things because that's what we're feeding on. So it's that way naturally. So if I, if I eat veggies, I'm going to be hungry for veggies. Are you with me? That's why I'm not hungry for veggies. I don't eat enough. Um, but whatever you feed on, and it's no different in your soul, in your spiritual life, what I feed on in my life, what I fill my heart and attention and mind with, I'm going to be hungry for. Now, there may be a stage, if you're honest, there's a, you may be at a place right now where you say, I just don't have a hunger for God's word or for prayer. I don't have that. Well, you just start where you're at. And you just start spending time. You know, somebody else may be able to get up at four in the morning and spend three hours in prayer. You start where you're at, but you keep feeding on the word. You keep praying. You keep spending time with God. And your capacity will begin to grow. And you'll find after, you know, three, four days, couple weeks, you'll realize, I miss it. I'm hungry for something I've not been hungry for before. And it's going to fill your life. Number two is greater depths. Second point, greater depths require greater surrender. Greater depths require greater surrender. So here's what happens. Ezekiel goes, and you know, we're ankle deep, we're knee deep. He's going further and further. And the further he goes, 
in the water, in the river, he eventually gets to a place where he only can swim. And if you've ever been in a river that's deep enough, you know that what carries you is the current, not your own strength. What, what, in fact, you know, we, we were in Arizona, as I mentioned, and one of the coolest places to go in Arizona is the Grand Canyon. And you see what a river has done and how it's shaped and carved. And, and, and it's amazing to see how the, that, that force can actually shape and reshape the landscape. And it's the same as the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life. It can shape and change what I can't change. It, it, it can do something in me that I can't on my own ability. So many people are trying to change, trying to do better. But then there's no power in it. Why? Because the only way to experience real change is to get in the water. And when you get in the river, something begins to happen. The deeper you go with God, the further you go, the more you surrender. And I know for some of us, surrender is a bad thing. Surrender is actually the only way to freedom. It's the only way to victory in the kingdom, in God's economy. So in the world, surrender is defeat. You surrender to an enemy, you're defeated. You surrender in a fight, you back down from a fight, it's over. But in God's, when you surrender to Jesus, it's actually the only way to freedom. It's the only way to experience more of God, is surrender. And every season that I've been in, the further I've gone on with God, the more I've had to say yes, but I've always found on the other side of surrender has been the promise, has been exactly the very thing that I needed. And so the further Ezekiel goes, they get to a place where the only way to cross it is no longer on his own two feet. And for some of us, that idea is a little scary because we don't yet know the God that we're called to trust fully with our lives. If you don't really believe deep down that God's good, it'll be hard to trust him. Can I trust him with my family? Or do I still have to control my grown children? Oh, nobody, okay. Can I trust him with my finances and put God first? Can I trust God with my relationships and my marriage? Can I trust God with my future and my calling and my business and my, whatever it is in your life, can I trust him? Well, I can trust him when I know he's good. And the more I trust him, the more it looks like surrender. The deeper he goes, the more it required surrender, but that was exactly where he needed to be. Waters that cannot be crossed. Greater depths require greater surrender. One day, Jesus shows up to the shore. It's actually right after his baptism and the whole wilderness experience. He comes and he finds a man named Peter, who at this time is known as Simon, and he's a fisherman, and he's taking, he, he's spent all night fishing and trying to fish, and you know, the reason why I can't get into fishing is I'm kind of like Peter in this moment. Peter's caught nothing, and that's usually what my story. Um, and so my, my uh, nine-year-old son is able to catch better than I am, uh, but that's okay. Uh, so, so if we ever have to survive based on fishing, I know who to call. Um, but here's where Peter is. Peter is toiled all night. He's caught nothing. And then Jesus shows up one day and says, I'm going to use your boat to teach. And he gets out on Peter's boat and he begins to teach the crowds that are gathered on the shoreline. And then after he's done teaching, after he's done preaching, after he's done sharing his word, then he tells Peter, he says, let out a little bit from the land. And he, as he lets out, he says, launch into the deep and let down your nets again. Let down your nets for the catch. And Peter's response is like anybody who's found something's missing. I tried that. 
Like, I, I tried that. I, I did all the, I jumped through all the hoops. I went to the service. I, I sang the song. I listened to the message. I did the study. I did all those things, but something was missing. But here's what, what he says. Nevertheless, at your word, launch out into the deep. You know, when, when God begins to lead us and God begins to stir our heart to something, it's going to require surrender. The way I put that is it's going to mean giving him a, an unqualified, unconditional yes. What does it mean to give God an unconditional yes? It means we're not trying to make a deal with God. God, if you give me this, I'll do this. But I'm going to trust you because where you're taking me is better than where I can go myself. And I can't do it on my own, but you can do it. Greater. So so he goes. He launches out into the deep. He lets down his net. Verse 6, and it says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Third and final point is we are filled up to pour out. We are filled up to pour out. If we can go back to Ezekiel 47 real quick. Uh, in verse 6, the angels measured out. He, he then takes Ezekiel to the shoreline of this river in this, this vision he sees. And he says, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me there and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned, there were very many along the bank of the river, very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down to the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Now, there's a whole prophetic message and picture that this is about, but I want you to see this for our sakes today, that wherever God's, whatever we allow God to fill, God begins to heal. Whatever we allow God to fill our life with, wherever we allow God to fill us, he begins to heal us. And it says, wherever, it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will begin to live. What would happen if God began to fill your life? What would happen if God began to fill your family? What would begin to happen if God would fill North Iowa? Everywhere the river goes, things come to life. There's healing. There's freedom. Jason, if you want to come up. Everything will live. The end of verse 9. Everything will live wherever the river goes. Verse 11. But its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. What's a swamp? Aside from how the lobby feels today, because it didn't turn on the air conditioning to the mall. Um, a swamp is where water stops flowing freely, and it sits stagnant. Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe this applies to every one of us, he said, freely you've received, freely give. The Christian life was never meant to be just me receiving from God. That's where it starts. We all need to receive from God. We're going to pray in just a moment, and I believe you're going to receive today from God, wherever you're at. There's, can I just tell you, there's nothing wrong with being ankle deep, but don't stay there. Don't, don't stay there, and don't look at other people and go, well, what? No, no, you just, you keep going after Jesus. And whatever, you just say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm going to say yes to. And, and, and we begin to surrender in greater depths, in greater, in greater ways. And then we allow God to fill us, but God doesn't just fill us for us. He fills us to pour out. The world needs what you have. Greater is he that's in you. We saw that last week than he that's in the world. 
Yes, we need that to overcome the problem. But even more, we need to realize we carry a solution. The person and presence of God. You have the Holy Spirit. You have, it's amazing. Jesus told his disciples, he said, it's actually to your advantage that I go away so that I can send him. I can send another helper, another comforter. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. How could it be better for us than having Jesus sitting in the seat next to us? Feeding, multiplying the loaves and the fish and opening blind eyes, do all the things that Jesus did. How could it be better? How could it be to our advantage? Because Jesus would be in one place at one time and he slept on the boat, so we know he took naps. (laughs) And Peter usually would interrupt any conversation. You're trying to talk to Jesus and Peter's in the way. But then he pours out the Holy Spirit that every single one of us has access to. So, So wherever you're at, take a step. My goal is to get people just to take the next step, wherever that is. And can I just tell you, no matter how long you've been serving Jesus, there's still more. (laughs) And maybe that more is going to require just a little bit more surrender. But it's always worth it because you can trust him, because he's good. And then he fills your life, but it's meant to be poured out. There's two seas in Israel. There's the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. Do they both are fed? with water from the Jordan. But the the main difference, other than the Dead Sea has an incredibly high salt content, but the reason why it's dead is the Sea of Galilee has outlets, but the Dead Sea doesn't. And so what's poured in, same source, same river, is poured in, but just like these marshes, nothing's healed, nothing moves, nothing's alive. And I believe that can happen in our life if we just receive but never pour out. You were created to not be a reservoir, but be a conduit. God wants to work through you. Don't worry about, well, I just don't feel like I have what it takes. I'm not qualified. Nobody's qualified. Just look at Peter. Peter turned the world upside down. The early church turned the world upside down. He didn't pick people the world would have qualified. But God fills you with exactly what you need and what the people around you need. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you today. Altar team, prayer team, would you come down? We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.